Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner, and I'm excited to be back with you again for another episode here. And we've got a fun topic to run through. I think this is a this is a conversation that's been at the forefront of you know young adults and, and teenagers, especially for probably the last five or ten years. And I think based on you know recent events and the, and the impact of COVID, it's brought it even more to the forefront, right? So what we're going to be zeroing in on today is the value of a college degree or of going to college and you know kind of the subsequent benefits, the costs associated with it, and overall, you know, how do you make a good decision for for you on whether that's you know something that you should pursue and and kind of how to go about it, right? So as I said, I think this has been a larger conversation that we've been having as as a collective society probably for the last five or ten years or so just as college costs have continued to skyrocket if you look at the numbers you know over the last 40 or so years uh, the cost of going to college is up over 1200 percent as opposed to in about that 200 250 percent range just for for normal you know for other price increases so we can see the cost of college is far outpacing just the you know the rest of you know the rest of inflation essentially Right. So there's been a broader conversation about, you know, is that right? What are the causes of it? Does that diminish the value of going to school? So we're going to dive into kind of some of the causes behind that and just you know how to to go about making a decision. Um, I think another thing that that's, you know, br- brought more to the forefront in recent years, too, is just seeing folks with college degrees continue to struggle once they're out of school. Right. And there's I think an array of reasons for that, um, one of which is, you know, as more people go to school, you know, having a bachelor's degree is no longer a unique characteristic, right? And a lot of companies and roles will that will mandate that you have a degree, right, just to, you know, kind of operate in that capacity. And so that's, so it's lost some of its, its luster there as well. And I also think that, you know, as just a, as a personal comment on it, I think schools aren't doing the best job of, of genuinely preparing their students to be successful beyond the classroom, right? That's really, that's a big catalyst for, for this podcast. And what I'm trying to do on the capital adulting front is, Hey, like it's all fine and well that you have a good academic background, right? But for, you know, universally, there are some things that everyone should be educated on things like personal finance, investing, you know, basically the topics that I'm covering here, as well as other non-financial items that aren't, you know, aren't part of a, the curriculum for a routine bachelor's degree, right? So I think that's the, that's one thing that we, as a, as a country, as a society should focusing on is how do we, how do we make you know, bachelor's degrees, you know, potent, right? Where they're going to be, they're going to be beneficial. They're not just running the mill. They're not just a check the box kind of thing. And if they are just a check the box thing, is it truly worth it? Right. So we're going to get into that. Um, one thing I do want to mention, like kind of leading into it is just discussing some of what are the, from my perspective, what are some of kind of the, the root causes of, you know, talk about like a student, student debt crisis, right. And how we have hundreds of billions or trillions, uh, can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but a, a ton of money in student loans, a uh, high default rate. Um, and it really just, it saddles a lot of students for life where they're going to be, you know, 50 years old and still trying to pay off their student loans. Right. So the two things that I identified that I want to mention here, one is just access to debt. And again, capital adulting is not intended to be political. Um, the one thing that I would mention, so access to debt, right, is who can, basically who can borrow money to go to school. And the way that it's set up with the government, 
you know, is really any, anybody can, right? There's a million programs out there. The government offers a ton of federal student loans for undergrads, for graduates. Um, there's not, it's, it's pretty loose on who qualifies for it. And I understand that, right? The thinking there is, hey, well, you know, just because someone comes from, let's say, a lower income background doesn't mean they should be excluded from higher education because they wouldn't qualify for a loan. Right. And so I, I understand, you know, and I empathize with, with that side of things, but we're seeing the consequence of unlimited lending, essentially, right? When we're willing to say, hey, anybody who wants a loan is going to get one, well, then people are going to take it and it's going to be, you know, they're, they're not going to have the ability to pay that back in the future. And that does a disservice to them, right? So as, as a, you know, as a country, I think we have to weigh the benefit there of saying, does it make more sense to tighten up student lending so that we, you know, we aren't encumbering people for life? Or, you know, are we willing to embrace the cost of, hey, we want everybody to be educated and we know that some people are either not going to make it through, they're going to get through and then not not optimize or not be able to, you know, not generate enough income to pay back what they're doing. There's, you know, that's a, that's a whole separate conversation, but I think that's one of the key root causes, right? It's just that, you know, at 16, 17, 18 years old, people are able to pull the trigger and take out six figures in debt, you know, without really a second thought. And tied into that, it's just, I think overall for teenagers, and young adults, there's a lot of financial illiteracy out there. Again, what I'm targeting here with capital adulting is hoping to, to educate y'all along that, that front. Right, but it's it's mind-boggling to me that someone can sign up for a commitment at 17 or 18 years old, right? We're at a stage of life where we say like you may or may not be, you know, you know, have the capacity to sign sign agreements as an adult, right? You can't drink alcohol, right? That's that's kind of that that stage of life, but at the same time we're saying, "Hey, you could you could take on $150,000 in debt um, and you may not have had any financial coaching." in going through school your parents might not be financial experts you you know whatever the, your life situation might not might be again you can simply say well i want to go to school so i'm gonna yeah you know, i'll take that on and you just don't it's it's hard to grasp at, at 18 years old what the consequence of you know 50 100 150 200 thousand dollars uh really tr- what it translates to so that's my side tangent two main root causes i think for the the current student student loan debt crisis is just easy access to debt and the financial literacy it kind of goes back to like the housing crisis right where folks were able to take loans by houses because the banks just had plans to you know foreclose and turn around and sell the asset again and just created a huge bubble so we're going to see something along those lines and yeah there's gonna to have to be some action on it probably in the next 10 15 years but we'll see how that all plays out so Getting to the meat of the topic, right? Is college worth it? So I think you have to start with just evaluating the value of, you know, of a bachelor's degree of going to college. And I just want to run through some of the things that I'd recommend considering as you're going through that process, right? So first one I've got is don't underestimate or overestimate the value of having a degree, right? So that's kind of a, there's a dichotomy there, right? It's like, you know, there's value to it, but how much value essentially, where does it fall on the spectrum of worthless to, you know, it's, it's solid gold. So I think on the, on the plus side, right, what are the benefits of getting, of going to school and getting a degree? I think of course it expands your personal perspective and your skill set, 
right? Like you're going, you're getting educated. You're being exposed to, you know, different thought processes, different topics, different material, um, people from different backgrounds, right? There's a lot of pros in that area where you expand beyond the environment that you grew up in or that you are familiar with, right? And you're just exposed to new influences, which is good because I think all of us as individuals need to need to have that to, you know, just be more well-rounded and, you know, kind of approach, approach the world in with, with, with a, with a broader perspective on that front. So I think having that, you know, the perspective, the skill set, of course, right. You're going there, you're, you're going to learn things like you get a focus in a particular area. So you're going to be specialized in some capacity. That's definitely a key benefit. And a degree is also something that can't be taken away from you, right? Once you have that bachelor's degree, you know, that's, that's a banner. That's something that you can carry with you for the rest of your life. And the same goes for, you know, for graduate programs, right? If you wanted to go get a master's, you got a doctorate, you know, whatever kind of extended schooling you might go to, um, that's something that you have that for, for life. So that's something to, to consider, right? I mean, there's the, the classic stat, of you know, again, I'm going to butcher it because I don't have the exact percentage in front of me. I believe it's something around like college grads, I think have, you know, like earn 40% more in their lifetime than non-college grads, right? Kind of over the course of your career. So there is a clear historical divide there that, you know, at, at a very general broad level, people with degrees do better than people without, right? However, again, back to the dichotomy piece, right? So that's, that's the part about valuing a degree. And here's where we don't want to overestimate it, right? Just because you have that banner that you have a degree doesn't inherently make you incredibly unique, right? That's what, you know, maybe 40 years ago, having a college degree was a game changer where now it's like your resumes in a pile of 15 other resumes, they see you have a degree, boom, you're, you're on the fast track, you're on the short list, right? Today, you're, it's pretty run of the mill, right? We have so many people are going to college and getting bachelor's degrees and getting, even getting master's, right? Even the uniqueness of a master's degree is losing its luster as well. So it's, I would look at a bachelor's degree as more of a, of a qualifying factor. Um, like a, it, it opens doors, right? So that way, if you're looking at jobs and career paths and you see something that's, you know, that requires a bachelor's degree, will you at least meet that criteria, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't really grant you anything besides, you know, the ability to pursue more opportunities, which is a good thing. But again, it's not going to guarantee that you get to take advantage of those opportunities. So hopefully kind of picking up on my, on my drift there. And that ties into the, the other point I have here, which is that just because you have a degree doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a better life, right? So I mentioned the stat about how at a, at a, at a very general level, very high level, um, folks with degrees do better, you know, financially over the course of their careers than, than those who don't, which makes, which makes logical sense, right? Like you just can stop and, and think about it for three seconds. You're like, okay, yeah, I would fully expect that to be the case. But the, the issue with kind of staking your life plan on that saying, well, Hey, you know, if I just sacrifice now and, you know, I take this big hit and I get this degree, well, then then I'm going to be set for life because I have a bachelor's degree. Well, that's just, that's not going to be the case because there's always outliers, right? There's going to be people that are in, that have degrees, 
that consistently underperform their entire lives or they change, you know, change a heart, whatever it might be, they might not have the life they envisioned um, that they, or that they envisioned that they would have just because they had a degree, right? Things can, can change quickly. And on the flip side, people who, you know, who don't go to college still, there's still plenty of opportunity to be, to be wildly successful. So I'm not personally advocating one way or the other. I think it is so dependent on your individual circumstances and opportunities. We'll kind of jump into that more in a second, but I think it's, it's important to, to not overhype or underhype a degree, right? So that's the, that's, you know, a few of the items I would definitely encourage, you know, one to consider as, you know, maybe you're in the latter years of high school or you've taken some time off and you're thinking about whether or not you want to go back to school, right? You, you want to balance that. Is having a degree kind of worth the cost? And one one big thing on that to consider on that front is just that not all schools are the same, which again is, is me being Captain Obvious here, right? Like obviously if you wanted to go to an Ivy League school versus your local community college, there's quite a, you know, there's quite a split there between quality education, but at the same time there's also, you know, the difference on the cost side of things right? There's, there is a wide, wide spectrum of schools out there anywhere from, you know, just the, um, not to insult any particular, you know, institutions, but let's just say, you know, at a broad scale, your the quality education probably at the community college level is not going to be the same as a, as a four year or as a, you know, as an elite four year university, right? There's as, as, as there always is in life, there's a spectrum of, of quality there, um, and of course, corresponding cost. But that's where you have to do a a diligent job on the on kind of the cost benefit analysis front. So that's one thing that I thought about a lot, kind of in the school that I went to, where you know at full price you want to go there for four years. That's it's probably about a, it's about a quarter million dollars, right? At full price, hardly anybody pays full price, right? That's just the kind of the joke of college now is you know. Oh hey, you know we we were raising prices five percent this year, and now we're offering more financial aid, and you're going to pay exactly the same amount because it's just it's a way of making more money from the people who, for some unknown reason, end up do pay full price. Um, but I think you you want to find a, a quality education at a good price point, and so I think about my school was awesome. I'm going to dive more into that later, but. There was also folks that it was like, you know, oh, you could go here, like you could go to community college for a couple of years, knock out a lot of your prerequisite courses, right? And then you went there for the last couple of years to get the, you know, the specialized, the, the awesome classes, right? Really get, take the best material, have the best experiences out. And you only end up paying for two years of it versus four, right? That was one option where there was people that, you know, would go through my school and, you know, they, the way they played it out, they would they'd leave with a degree, have attended the best classes that were offered, and probably paid, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 total. Otherwise, on the flip side, there's people that were like, well, you know, but I'm not looking at it from a financial perspective. It's just, it's where I, you know, it's my dream. It's where I want to go, this and that. And, oh, I got to finance the whole thing. So now they're going to they're gonna go there for four years and have a great experience too, get those same classes. But now they're leaving with $150,000 in debt, right? So who's really who's really ending up ahead there? I mean, it's it's pretty clear, right? Like, obviously, they both got the same degrees, 
one paid five times more than the other. And that's going to be uh, paying back $150,000 for an undergrad degree is, is a lot, right? That's going to take a long, long time. So that's where when evaluating schools and that cost benefit, maybe it makes sense to maybe you go all four years to one school and it's, it maybe it's not your dream school and it's not the premier institution that some other people might be going to. But maybe you got a, a full ride there or a good scholarship and you're going to get you're going to get a solid degree for for a decent price. Right? That's the sweet spot that you want to find. You don't want to end up where it's like I'm just so so blinded to, you know, going to one particular school that you know, screw the financial picture. Uh just going to, you know, take out whatever it takes in loans to to make it happen. Um but again, I think the it's, that's where you know cost benefit is so key, right? Because it it might you know it it probably doesn't make sense to take out six figure debt for an undergrad degree, but maybe if you were going to go to say like Harvard Law School, right, and you had to take out two hundred thousand dollars in loans to do that, well, that's kind of a different it's a it's a different thing, right? Like maybe two hundred thousand relatively to get to you know graduate from Harvard Law, you're probably going to be pretty well set moving forward there. Um, and that's where you do have to evaluate both at kind of the undergrad and the graduate level how much debt it makes sense to take on to get that sort of degree. Because I, I'm an advocate for responsible debt, and I think the issue right now on the college front is we're not educating young folks enough to make smart decisions to, to leverage debt well, right? They just use debt, and it's not... Now, a lot of times people are taken out in hopes that it's going to get forgiven, which is an even an even worse idea, right? So it's it's so so imperative. If I can hammer home one point here, it's it really want to evaluate. Hey, what what's going to be the long term payoff? If I'm going to spend eighty thousand dollars to go get this degree, is this? Do I think it's more likely than not? Because life is unknown and crazy things can happen, right? So. You have to say, if I'm going to spend $80,000 today on this, is it more likely than not that it's going to provide more value in the long run where my $80,000 of, of debt is going to equate to you know, $1.4 million in, in additional earnings, right? That's something where, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty clear-cut decision. Um, if it's a little bit closer... Like for instance, the Wall Street Journal did a did a kind of a report on, uh, I believe, is Columbia's world class kind of masters in film studies, right? Where they had some, you know, really famous directors and actors, actresses go through there who are you know the stars of Hollywood and internationally recognized, right? It said that the median debt that graduate students who went through that program left with was about one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Right, so on average, people were leaving with one hundred eighty thousand dollars in debt, and two years later, I think it was forty eight percent of those graduates were making less than thirty or fifty thousand dollars annually. Which is, I mean, think about that for a second. If you made, if you took out one hundred eighty thousand dollars in debt, and you're making thirty thousand out of school, I mean, just that alone without paying any taxes, living expenses, anything, still would take you a full six years to pay that off. But realistically, at 30K, you're probably barely surviving. Probably not, you're not able to pay anything back on those loans. And that's just going to force you into into bankruptcy, right? So that's one thing where 
I also have an issue with the the current structure of you know schools kind of pushing stu- students towards debt because the student or the schools don't have any any liability right they don't have any risk because they they keep raising raising prices you know the federal government doesn't want to cut people out so they're going to continue loaning to students who want to go students simply just take out more loans because they don't really know better. And then they, you know, go to school, right? And so what happens when someone graduates, they've paid those elevated prices the whole time, and now they're not in a position to pay back their loans, who gets stuck with it? Well, it's it's the government, right? The government has the skin in the game. They're the ones who loan the money initially. So if the loan people default on their loans, it's a government that's out, which in turn is just, you know, us as individual citizens picking it up. The schools have no... Again, there's no risk there, right? But hey, we you know we got our four years of money from this person. We gave him a degree. And that was all they wanted. Like, okay, cool. See you later. Bye. Like, that's that's where I have an an issue with it on that front. That there needs to be, you know, a lot of schools are not for profit, right? So they're not. Their goal is not to make money. They're. I mean, obviously, they need to make money to survive, of course, but. Just the, the the model right now incentivizes schools to jack up prices as much as they can, as quickly as they can, without regard to the you know what happens to the students after they graduate, because realistically it doesn't who at seventeen or eighteen years old, what prospective students are going up to college recruiters and asking them hard hitting questions about Hey, how successful are your your students afterwards? Right, they're gonna feed you the, oh, you know, X percent of our students were employed or going to graduate school within a year, and oh, like here's you know here's the average like salary coming out of our school, right? Like, you get stats like that, but it's like, hey, tell me about tell me about the the bottom fifty percent of your students ten years afterwards. Like, where where are they at in life? Right, that's something where you know, it's it, it would be clear cut, right? The 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 data is there. The students are not going to be as successful. And they're going to be saddled financially, um, and I'll just kind of end my soapbox there. But that's just one thing. Since we're on the topic, I would uh, I would recommend if you're looking at schools, ask some of those questions. Get past the the quick five facts that a recruiter is going to give you about how students are successful, and really dive deep into how expansive and successful their alumni networks are. So all that to say, cost-benefit analysis is key, right? Find find high quality, find good quality, a good quality education for a moderate price point, and that's that's really the sweet spot. And and what what constitutes, you know, good quality to you can vary. I think that's where you do need to do both qualitative and quantitative analysis. So um, I guess for those who you know aren't as familiar with those terms, I think a qualitative is more kind of the emotional, like the descriptive type thing. So like, say you like go to a campus and you're like, oh, this feels like home. Okay, that that's a qualitative thing, right? Quantitative would be is is really numbers related of saying, hey, kind of my example earlier, hey, it's going to cost me eighty thousand in debt to get this degree, but it's going to give me, you know, it should projects out where I would, you know, have an extra 1.4 million career earnings, right? That would be quantitative analysis. And I think it's it's key to do both. And one of the easiest tools to do that 
is to use a decision matrix. So that's where I'm probably going to lose some of y'all out, out of the gate, right? You hear qualitative, quantitative decision matrix. You go, holy cow, like, what is this? Like, what what is happening? Is this like a is this like a, a coding podcast now? Um, no, it's definitely it's definitely not. And what I mean by decision matrix is just open up Excel or Google spreadsheets. So just or even take a take a sheet of paper, right? Something like that. I think it's easier to do it in a spreadsheet. But have something where you can create, you know, you have columns and rows. So in the columns, I would put, you know, put the options that you're evaluating. So maybe you're saying like, oh, I want to go to the community college. Oh, I want to go to this four-year or that four-year or maybe this program, right? Or maybe I don't want to go to school and I just start working, right? Those would be your columns. And then your rows are the characteristics that are important to you, right? So... Let's say you know you're you're comparing and contrasting two four-year schools. Maybe for your your rows in your matrix there in your spreadsheet, you're saying you know cost, you know number of students that graduate, location, weather, you know the pro quality, you know the program that they do they offer the program that I have. Um, let's say I'm just thinking of other things, you know like campus life, social life, alumni network. Um, organizations, you know, perf quality of professors, things like that, right? Whatever is important to you when, when I, and then when you, once you have your list of characteristics there, then you start scoring each of your schools or the program, whatever is in your columns, right? You score, you score it based on the characteristics. So if you say, Hey, oh, this school's in, this school's in Santa Barbara, California, you know, that's like, it's up in the mountains. Like, that's great. Boom. You know, 10 for location, 10 for weather. Oh, this school's in, you know, West Texas or Iowa. So I'm going to give it a, you know, it gets a three for location and a one for weather or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Right. That's why it's important to have a wide array of the, of the components that, that you value. Because essentially what you're looking to do is to calculate a total score uh, where you say, hey, this school, based on the 20 characteristics I laid out, you know, it scored a 170 out of 200. And then the school next to it scores, you know, 145 out of 200. It doesn't necessarily have to be as clear cut as you're making your entire decision based off that scoring. But I think it's, it was so helpful for me to do that, to clearly highlight or to highlight more clearly some differences that I wasn't seeing. Because for me, I was, you know, I was in a weird spot of where, you know, I just felt the magnitude of the decision, right? And I just kept, I kept wanting to defer and defer and defer. And I was like, I don't want to make a decision because what happens if I make the wrong one, right? And then you start thinking, well, oh man, this school is really great in this capacity. Oh, but this other school is, you know, really strong here. And then you don't want to make a decision. So using the decision matrix, right? So you've got your columns for the schools, the programs, whatever you want to evaluate. You have your rows for the characteristics that are important to you. And then you're just scoring each school, program, whatever, one to 10 per characteristic. And then you sum it up for a total score because then it's like, oh, you know, you can, the light bulb comes on and you say, oh, you know, I really thought these two schools were close, but that was 170 and the other one's 120. And it's like, now that I really break it down by what's important to me, then it makes the decision more clear. And again, you can then tweak it and just double check. It's just a helpful tool. And I would definitely advocate that anyone out there making a big decision, whether it's for 
college graduate programs or just life in general decision matrix is is a great is a great way to go about it kind of factors in kind of quantifies some of the qualitative stuff right where like i mentioned like oh you went to on campus and it felt like home right maybe one of your characteristics in your matrix there spreadsheet is you know comfortability or home-like feeling and one school scored an a and the other scored a four right like you know that's something to to be aware of it just helps again put some numbers to some of those you know more emotional feelsy type items i talked about cost benefit analysis and you know really that's that is um thing you have to be careful about with cost benefit analysis is you can kind of tweak it to 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 spit out a result that you want right so it's like say your dream school is much more expensive and realistically probably shouldn't you know take on the expenses of of going there but maybe you like mentally are like oh but uh it's gonna it's gonna boost my earnings by this or it's gonna give me this kind of life and you kind of like manufacture an end result and so at that point you're not really doing any analysis right you you've kind of decided in your head what the answer should be and then you're you're fitting you know whatever stats or whatever you pull together you you basically you're starting with the end result and you're then manufacturing the start and midpoints whatever you know whatever the process is to reach your desired end result so don't do that try to stay objective there a decision matrix is going to help on that front Um, but overall it's just just because a place costs more and they have fancy brochures and a flashy website like or nice campus amenities right just because it has those things doesn't guarantee that they're going to put you in a better position to be successful in life than another institution that may save you a lot of money right and then along those lines and i alluded to this just a moment ago but i think the biggest issue that over the course of a lifetime, this isn't exclusive to making a decision on college or a grad program, right? The biggest problem folks have with making decisions is they always plan for good to the best outcomes happening, right? So somebody, like I was saying about manufacturing your your stats or whatever to, to reach, you know, say like, oh yeah, it's totally worth it to take on 150,000 debt to go to this place, right? When... You know, people do that and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get a great degree. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love what I'm doing. I'm going to love the degree I get. Never mind the fact that like 70% of people actually don't use their college degrees once they're done. Um, oh, I'm going to get the perfect degree, the perfect education. I'm going to get the perfect job afterwards. I'm going to make the perfect amount of money. Like everything is going to go perfect. And because of that, if, you know, all those things fall into place, oh yeah, 150,000 is no doubt because by the time I'm, you know, 33, I'm going to make an a million dollars a year and I'm not even going to care. I'm just, it's already going to be paid off, right? That's genuinely how, you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But my point there is when people plan, they like to plan for good to optimal outcomes. And that's that's a major, major issue. Because if you do that, then you are overlooking the consequences of what happens when something doesn't go perfectly. It isn't the optimal outcome. In fact, it's the worst case scenario, right? Like, say you get one hundred fifty thousand. You, know, you take one hundred fifty thousand out in debt, right? You end up you graduate. You feel lost. You don't like your degree. 
you know, you decide to move home, you kind of pick up part-time job, you are struggling, you know, to figure out what direction you want to go in life. Um, and then who knows, maybe something happens where you have to take care of a family member, right? Or you just lose motivation to get moving forward with life. And then now all of a sudden you're making nine bucks an hour and you're staring down the barrel of 150000 that you got to pay back, right? That's that scenario I just described, it may be you, but it certainly is millions of students across the country. I guarantee that. There's no doubt about it. I saw it happen firsthand so many times, and it's so painful to see because, it, you know, it's life is unpredictable, right? And it's always tough, you know, if there are family emergencies, of course. I think my frustration always came in from folks who kind of just, you know, tuck their tail between their legs and went home with without without a plan. And it's okay, as I mentioned in previous episodes, it's okay to not have the most perfect plan laid out where you don't have, you know, where you have all the, you know, only get this job and do this, 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 and this, and it's all going to fall into place. You don't need that. You just need a kind of a North Star, a general, a general guide of, hey, like, here's what I think at this moment I want to accomplish in the future. What can I be doing today to get me there? Right? And so in the spirit of that, right, in the spirit of having that framework in place of roughly knowing where you want to get to, when you're making those plans, bake in the worst case scenario happening where you say, okay, if all things you know, go to hell, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be successful or I'm going to stumble around for a while. Like maybe I can't take 150,000 debt, but maybe I could take 20,000, right? And 20,000 is not going to get me into my dream school, but it could get me into school number four, right? It's going to get me a degree from there. It's not going to be the best degree in the world, but it's going to have solid people, solid faculty, solid, you know, a solid alumni network, good opportunities on the, on the other side. And I'll have that degree. It's easy uh, at that point, you know, $20,000 in debt is much more manageable than 150,000. So if things go sideways, you have more latitude, you have more flexibility to, you know, to stay, to stay afloat financially. So that's what I'm getting at there. When you're planning and making your decision, what school you want to go to, what program, you know, where you want to live, like, you know, you want to have, you know, get married, have kids, buy a house, like all these major life things, think through what would be the absolute worst thing that can happen. And if that were to happen, am I still going to be okay as a result of this decision? So those are the key things that I think everyone should consider. And I've already touched on on aspects of this, but just as a little bit of a personal anecdote, right? I mentioned, you know, I went to a phenomenal school. I absolutely love it. Some of, you know, phenomenal community, terrific faculty, great administration, leadership, I can't say enough great good things about the school that I went to, right? It was it was expensive, right? If you paid full price, it was about be about a quarter million dollars, and that's that's part part of the trade off, of course. Um, I would say, given that it was a, a liberal arts institution, it's for those who aren't familiar, you know, that's where you kind of get rather than more specialized classes, you kind of get a more general well roundedness. So, you know, I'm taking classes, you know, we're talking about like, like philosophy and earth science. And, you know, for somebody who has a business background, I took multiple science classes, thankfully no labs or I probably would have flunked out. Um, But there was a lot of classes that weren't like directly beneficial of what I'm doing today, or I'd say impactful. 
a lot of them, you know, I probably couldn't even list off most of the classes that I took, but there were some that some of the best ones. Like there was an entrepreneurship class, phenomenal executive leadership class that was chair, you know, business chair and the president of the school were teaching that one. They brought in high powered speakers and that was the best class of the school by far. Right. And those, those were the ones that really brought value to me. Um, so like I said, I can't say enough good things. Yeah, sure. I was frustrated quite a bit about all the extra classes that I, I had to take that I didn't really enjoy or didn't have a direct business impact. Right. Um, but the best takeaways were those classes and just the overall perspective that I got from, from going there. Right. I think it really broadened my, my scope to think more dynamically about what I wanted to do in life. I think a lot of schools like to put people on tracks, right? Of like, Hey, like you get this degree, go get a job at this company, climb this ladder and do this. Right. If you want a game changing thing in your life, get your train off those tracks, right? There, there's no concept of tracks or ladders or things like that. And like, yes, those exist if you subject yourself to them. But I'm telling y'all, there is a million things that you can do. And if you're here in the States, there's a million things that you can do with your life. There's so much opportunity, regardless of your background, regardless of your financial acumen. There are yeah, a myriad of different paths you can take in life. So don't be static. Don't stay on those tracks moving in one direction. You know, break out of that mindset and and figure out how to be more dynamic in life and really just just take life by the horns, right? It's it's you've got one shot at it. Take it and run with it. That was that was some of the best things um, that I took away from from my personal experience in school, and that was a mix of of classes and also just I had some phenomenal teammates that were a real positive influence in my life. So, um, you know, those those guys know who they are. Always always thankful for them. So, overall, closing thoughts. I know I'm going a little bit over kind of the usual time here, but final takeaways. I just pretty much underscored this. But life really doesn't, it doesn't require a degree, right? If you have someone telling you that in order to be successful, you must get a college degree, that's not the case. You can survive without it. I'm not denying, I'm, there's plenty of benefits. I'm glad I have a degree, and I'd advocate for you to get a degree, I'd say, if if the cost is is right, you know? Um, so that's where it's like, earlier I said I was pretty neutral on it, and that's my caveat there is like, if you can, if you can do it, it, ma- it doesn't make sense to not do it. Is essentially what I'm saying. If you get the right price, that's the tough piece. So do that cost benefit analysis. Um, I'd say, what's more valuable than a degree? Networking, work ethic, and being just dynamic. Right? I talked about just talked about not being static. You want to be dynamic. You don't want to be a robot. You want to be someone who's functional in society. Networking is, I can't hammer that home enough. Probably should do just a standalone episode on that. I'd have to double check. I'm sure I've talked about it in in pieces across different episodes previously. But networking is how 98% of things get done. If you think a, a resume is what gets you a job, what gets your foot in the door, no. What gets your foot in the door is when you befriend someone who 
works there, you know, you, you befriend someone there and they hand your resume to the hiring manager, right? That's a guarantee that that hiring manager is going to give more consideration to your resume than the next 10 combined, right? That's just, it's a fact. And if you know people, you build good relationships with them, it may not have a direct payoff, right? Maybe you network with someone effectively and then, you know, it kind of goes cold. And then maybe six years later, they say, hey, you know, like, I remember we talked about this. I was always really impressed with your work ethic and, and what you did and in your and the way you thought about things. Like, you know, I want to bring you over and do this with me, right? That stuff happens all the time. So never burn bridges, always network and prove your worth with your work ethic, right? It's when you, when you combine a relentless work ethic with the ability to, to think outside the box, network and build relationships, you're an unstoppable force. There's no doubt about it. And along those lines, I'd say, you know, it's really key to find, find ways to add value to other people's lives, right? Don't sit around thinking about how, what am I going to get today? What are people going to do for me? It's all about what can I do for others, right? If you take that, that, you know, kind of that servant approach to it, I'm telling you, it, it, it pays dividends when you, when you knock those things out of the park, because then you're building, you're building rapport with whoever you're helping out. They know you're, they know you're a person who's going to add value and that opens up more opportunities. So last thing I'll leave you with kind of the overarching message is there, while there is value in a college degree, don't handcuff yourself for life just to get that piece of paper. So if you're sitting there and you're debating, you know, oh, I want to take on $100,000, $200,000, Lord forbid, $300,000 of debt to go get, you know, this, this particular degree, really sit there, critically think through it, and make sure that it's really something that's going to, that's, there's going to be some payback on it. Right, because if you take on two hundred thousand dollars and get that undergrad degree, and then you spend your you know, your career making forty to sixty thousand at a nonprofit, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying from a pure financial standpoint, you're always going to be in a hurt locker. You're always going to be stressed. It's going to affect affect your marriages, your families, the opportunities that you can afford your children. These things, these decisions go beyond you at the individual level. Right. And that's something that no one at 17 or 18 is really considering um, in, in depth. Right. That the decisions made today are going to have that kind of effect. But if you're thinking about, you know, really, if you stack rank, what are the most important decisions you're going to make in life? Picking picking your path out of high school, you know, whether that's college or maybe going to an, a graduate program, going to med school, whatever it might be. Um, that is probably the second or third most impactful decision you'll make in your entire life. I mean, I would put, you know, who you choose to marry above that. But then after that, I mean, it's, it's, it's up there, right? So definitely take it serious. It's worth, it's worth investing, you know, spend hours, dozens of hours, whatever it takes for, for you to do an analysis that then you feel confident in, you've done your research. This isn't one to just say, hey, you know, I took a 60-minute tour of a campus and I'm just locking in on it, right? 
that's the main message. There's there's value in college, but find find a place that's going to give you an adequate amount of value for for a good price point if you're going to do it or find a way to carve your own path and be successful. So with that, definitely well over the the targeted 30-minute range, but you know, I think this is this is a mix of, of practical steps and a little bit more on the philosophical side. So I tend to do that, kind of blend the two, and hopefully that's something that, that you all enjoy listening to. And, of course, don't take my word. Just, you know, everyone's got different opinions and perspectives, and I would I would hope that you wouldn't hear, just purely hear what I say and, and take that as gospel. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up right there. As always, if you made it this far, you know, I appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully there's been some nuggets that are successful or some nuggets of knowledge that you can apply that are going to help you be successful. After all, that's the the whole purpose of the podcast. So enjoy the rest of your day and until next time, I hope you all take care.